Hola, I'm Paulina. Hi, I'm Bricia. And we're sisters, friends, daughters, wives, and business owners following our dreams, just striving to be a better version of ourselves every day. All right, and we're also moms. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Supermama Sisterhood. Sisterhood. And I was jumping on the waves with Carista, and it was like, oh my God, this is the best ever. And we get in the car, we get home. She cries because I woke her up. Ah! I was like, I wish I didn't have any kids within like three hours. <laughs> she stopped me right there. She was like, Brisa, I want you to understand this. I seriously believe that our children choose us and we don't choose our children. Right. Your baby chose you to be his mom. Mm-hmm. He knew what kind of mom he wanted. And he chose you as his mom. Oh, that's right. Nice. We're all sisters here to inspire, support, and guide each other to dream bigger and to enjoy every moment of this extraordinary journey that is womanhood. Listas? Here we go. <laughs> Super mamas! Hello. How is momhood going for everybody? I'm failing at momhood. We all are failing at momhood. You know what, mom? Welcome to the club. Mom told me yesterday or something because I was the baby was crawling and her hands were on the floor and then she, I put her to it. She was like, "Ay, too many mom fails in this house." <laughs> I was like, Thanks. "Too many mom fails." <laughs> She was like, too many mom fails in this house. I was like, geez, <laughs> okay. I guess because I'm just very like easy no going with wait, my third. Wait, hold on. I'm going to tell you this really funny thing. So last night, my husband and I were in bed and he somehow showed me the photo of this puppy uh-huh. that was at the pound. And he was like, oh, look at this beautiful puppy. And I'm like looking at him like, do you, <laughs> do you want another dog? <laughs> And he's like, I mean, look how cute he is. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not something that we should be talking about. <laughs> Why are you showing me this picture of this beautiful puppy? <laughs> and then and then he's like, yeah, that wouldn't be right, right? Like to get another dog. But look how cute. <laughs> and wait, hold on. That's not the funniest part. I said, mm, maybe I should show this photo to Paulina. And she's like, doesn't she already have a dog? <laughs> And I'm like, no, (laughs) she doesn't. (laughs) I'm like, no, she just has three children. So it seems like there's like a dog in there. (laughs) Her her house is just full of stuff and chaos and there's three children. And and then he's like, oh, are you sure that they used to have a dog? (laughs) Like, no, honey. There was never a dog. There's not a dog. I doggies eat choco sometimes. (laughs) That's it. Because there's so many children. There's so much going on. Like, oh my God. And every time we go to your house, there's like something that's happening. I put an Insta story the other day and there was like a doodle that it was like, shh, like just like, like Scrabble. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is an accurate representation of my house. <laughs> like, it's really like that. You know, those cartoons when like there's like, you know, Scrabble and like cats pop out like <laughs> yeah. once in a while. <clears throat> that's my house. That's my, that's my life. Like I pop out like, ah, help me. But yeah, mom was like, a lot of mom fails in this house. <laughs> I was like, yeah. There's mom fails everywhere. I'm re-sleep re- training my son. Mm-hmm. And it made me look back, think back of our episodes or when my son was, you know, from seven to seven. And I was like, well, you know, guys. My baby's a rye baby and he sleeps and all he day. he sleeps all day. And like, don't let your kids still be in your bed. <laughs> it's so easy. I don't understand these moms. <laughs> 
God, mom fails. <laughs> Cut to 2018. <laughs> Re-sleep training again at three and a half, which oh is way gosh. harder than sleep training at four months. Because mm-hmm. at four months, you cry it out. You're like, cry out method. Cry, cry, cry. You'll be fine <laughs> in two days. Three Are you pretty much half. sleeping with him until and then he goes to sleep? No, no, no. So, okay. My husband and I need to have come to the agreement of what we need to do because it, it was getting to the point where we had to sleep in t- with him until he fell asleep, mm-hmm. which is not what you should do. Yeah, no. You need to allow them to fall asleep. Like, the same thing they teach you when they were, they were younger is just a little bit more difficult because now they can express their feelings and they say no and they can get out of their bed and run out. Um, but now we're at the point where now we say goodnight and he goes, but I'm scared and no, I don't want to be here by myself. There's a lot of fear. I don't understand where that is coming from. Um, he says he's scared of Venom and the Joker. And I and I, and I just tell my husband, I told you never to show him those things. Why are you showing <laughs> him those things? It's your fault, obviously, right? That's me. Um, but he's afraid of Venom. And I asked him why. And he said, he's afraid that Venom is going to throw slime in his nose. <laughs> You know what you should do? I We did like a spray water and then we put like a bunch of stickers with like monster repellents, like no, no, no. And I was like, whenever a monster comes, just throw the water at them. But and they, they aren't any in. monsters. I mean, or whatever. I, I know, mean, but I'm saying everybody has their own, like, everybody has their own idea of how to handle the situation. Because for me, I tell him, well, the monsters aren't real. So anyway, all I'm telling, look, there's so many different <laughs> things. What I'm I'm telling him is, okay, so what is, what does Venom say? What does Joker say? Because in my head, I'm like, who's Joker in your life? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Is someone doing something to you? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. my mind goes into really ugly places. So I'm trying to understand who this Joker personality is in his home, who he represents, getting all psychological on him. And then it turns out he's just scared of the slime for some reason. Um, and I'm like, where does the slime come out from? Like, I'm just all freaked out. But anyway, so... Um, I was I forgot what I was listening to, and I and I told him, well, what happens if we make Venom and Joker our friends? Like, what happens if we just speak to them and tell you know, just let's become friendly with them? Let's you know. So I don't know if it's working or not, but I think um, what's been working is not falling asleep with him mm-hmm. and leaving leaving the the room before he falls asleep, and it's been working. Yesterday he tried to come into our bed, and then my husband said, you need to go back to your bed by yourself and he goes fine <laughs> he just turned around and walked out and went back to his bed and fell asleep okay, Sabina is the difficult one but she's just like stays up just just mingling and talking and then she comes out a kiss on the mouth and the lips a kiss on the lips mommy I'm like just go to sleep and she comes back how about a hug just give me a hug mommy and then I'm gonna go to sleep and then she's like Da-da-da. and she's having conversation on her own and I'm like Tamina go to sleep it's not me, it's Krista. And I'm like, Krista's like, <sighs> she's just gone. And Sabrina is just like, da, 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 just talking to herself. And I don't even know what time she falls asleep. But she's always been like that. I don't know. Now that they sleep together, it's easier. They just go to sleep. On, I just turn off the lights and then they just go to, I don't know what time they go to sleep. But there has been times uh-huh. where like on Saturday, they just played so much that their feet were hurting and they just didn't want to like, they're literally their bones were hurting and they were waking up and crying in the middle of the night. They woke up like two times. So I went to get like a little, um, what do you call that? That you give the kid on the airplane. Um, the, the Ollie? 
it was not the Ollie. It was a, it was melatonin. another one, melatonin. And I gave it to them because they were just crying. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you yeah. just cry so much because you're overtired. That I've never experienced that. And that really happened. They were mm. so tired oh, that they couldn't Tylenol. sleep. You know, I just gave it to him, to them and I was like, oh, it's okay. And then they, they went to sleep. But it's, it's sleeping. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah. And, and it, again, it, it reminded me of our early podcasts and how they were telling us, you know, it, when they're three is different, you know, when they're five is different every, yeah, every certain time. And then, and then it gets better. It's, it gets better. It's just the time it takes you, you to actually put the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't take the time to put the work in, it just gets worse and yeah. worse and yeah. worse and worse because they start attaching to you more and more and more. So mm-hmm. we're working on the detachment. More for him and my husband. He doesn't really care about me that much. <laughs> I mean, I know he loves me. I generally know he loves me. But it's the, the amount of attachment between him and his dad it's really borderline just, <laughs> I don't even know if it's healthy. I don't know if it's normal. I don't know. Every, a lot of parents tell me, oh, it's okay. It happens. It goes through phases. Kids go through phases. Sometimes they really want their dad. And then sometimes they really want their mom. And I'm like, but do you understand? <laughs> He's never wanting me. He How how attached. He is. Super, super attached. He, is that? Yeah, he even at the birthday party that you had this weekend, he just wanted to play with his dad. Yeah. You know? And I've had conversations with my husband and when I ask him, you need to learn to set boundaries because it's just too crazy. Yeah, he needs to play with other kids. Just I mean, being bingo. When, when with the he's kids. there, when my husband's there, he's just with my husband. If I'm if he was in there and I'm there, he would have been playing with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's true. But, I didn't see him playing. But when my husband is there, there's not nobody but him. But anyway, anyway, I hope I'm not too crazy. No, I think I think it, and you're you're like my husband. My husband's like someday they're gonna love me as much as they love you, and he puts in extra work so they can love him. The baby, he's obsessed with the baby, and he's like, but love me or like he's like, oh mira, dijo papa, and I'm like, I don't think he said papa, but sure, sure, dad, sure, sure. Are you trying to say that my kid doesn't love me? No, I'm not saying that. But you know, like when I went to my trip with my husband, I I I was really legit afraid that the baby was gonna forget my breast, and she kind of has actually after that. But I, they told me to take some clothes from her, and I did. And I took some dirty clothes so they can smell like her. And like he was like, "Let me have one." So he slept with one, and I slept with one because he's totally like obsessed with the baby. That he he's just like, "Oh my god!" Wait, you guys took. Dirty clothes of the baby with you when you guys slept with dirty baby clothes? Yes, we did. Because I just wanted that letdown feeling, you know? like You know when you... Do you remember that letdown feeling when you miss your I baby? Still, I still have it. I, I needed that. I needed that so that I... You know, my my body would still produce that, and that actually worked. I would I would smell them like, oh my god, my baby, and then I feel like <gasps> the letdown of the breast. But it wasn't going anywhere. So then now she's like, she's like nothing's coming out. I need real liquid. And so I'm like retraining my body to have milk again. I still don't want to let go. Listen, I'm not going to judge you based on my conversation about the sleep training that we just had. (laughs) (laughs) And how when we had this conversation three three years ago, I was like, what do you mean your kid comes into your bed? What do you mean you smell your baby clothes? (laughs) (laughs) You go on a romantic trip with your husband and you guys sleep with dirty baby clothes? I mean, hey, man, again... No judgment. <laughs> I might be there one day. 
<laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Smelling baby clothes. <laughs> I know. Well, by the last day, the, I don't even know where they were, but <laughs> it was so much fun. Anyway, so today on the show, <laughs> what was fun? The trip or the smelling the dirty baby clothes? The trip. It was fun. Um, okay, so today we're not going to talk about dirty baby clothes or trips. <laughs> what are we, we talking are about? We are going to talk about a very important subject that has been asked of us for several months. And I'm so happy that we're going to be finally having a entire episode dedicated to it but we're talking about autism and we have the incredible Kamina S. Ballard Dockings on the show today to talk about autism. Kamina is the first and only multi-ethnic Afro-American parent partner to hold several posts in the Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network, the Autism Intervention Research Network on Physical Health. She is a family representative and in the family advisory committee. She's also the co-chair where she has been an active member for over nine years in 14 sites across the U.S. and Canada. She currently strives to deliver the standard of care, provides testing and conducts research for children with ASD through family-centered care in order to influence research and provide quality interdisciplinary treatment. That is a very long... Wow. <laughs> and that is only part of her bio, but we wow. had an incredible time yes. with her and she was so real and brought so many... I love her. ...issues regarding autism, socioeconomical issues, and just overall a lot of great information mm -hmm. that is needed for parents who have kids in the autism spectrum and also for parents who don't. Yeah, the community in general. I think she gave really good information. I think you guys are really going to love this episode. Again, it's been requested for so many months, and I'm so happy that we actually had Kamina here to talk on the subject. So without further ado, ladies, here is our interview with Kamina S. Ballard. Enjoy. Kamina, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for coming. You have no idea how requested yes. this show has been. I mean, like everybody who, well, obviously moms. moms. Um we want to know more about autism and I'm so thankful that you took some time to come and see us. You're going to be a great resource to our, our moms, but before we get started, um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and about the uh, autism speak organization and the work you do for them? First of all, I'd like to thank you all for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. It is a pleasure to be on the show and um, to speak to conversation, to have a conversation uh, about families on the autism spectrum, but mostly also with conversations in families of color, because we very rarely get to have those conversations yes, in community yes. settings. Mm -hmm. That's just a, a conversation, just to talking, you know, most people don't want to talk about it. Um, and so you asked me about Autism Speaks. Once again, my name is Kamina Ballard Dawkins, and I am the family representative and most recently the Autism Walk chair for the Autism Speaks Walk 2018. Oh, that, congratulations. Well, thank you. That was a big honor because we raised over $745,000 for Whoa. resources, right? Whoa. That's great. <laughs> resources and, um, and, and to raise money for that goes towards, um, research for science and other foundations. So Autism Speaks is located all over the country, but also internationally. There's different types of Autism Speaks that you can see in, in different countries. And this is a global issue. Mm hmm. That is to say that what we're working here in Los Angeles, we're dealing with many different aspects of autism 
through Autism Speaks that affects children from really, we're trying to figure it out before birth, but from birth all the way up through transition, what we call transition to, so through adulthood. Okay. Right? And Autism Speaks is one of the primary places that you can call, which they have a, I'll tell you more about the information, but they have a family resource line Mm -hmm. through family services that speak both English and Spanish. Oh, great. That are able to give families resources and information towards getting services, what we call services. So that looks like speech therapy and occupational therapy and everything. Uh, And that is uh, gathered by area. So say like you called the family services line, you could actually still get information for places that are in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, Yes. So you, you, and also Los Angeles. But since we're in Los Angeles, I don't know how far this is going. I'm just like, you can call over the, the world. world. Good. Yes. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and just as a breaking conversation, the resource line is an 888 number. It's 888-AUTISM2. Uh, I think that will, I, I'm sure you guys can probably yeah. link to it, but 888-288-4762. So right up front, if you're, you know, you want to call and get some resources, use that family services line from Autism Speaks. Amazing. Well, let's talk about and educate ourselves on um, ASD, which is Autism Spectrum Disorder. What is it? <laughs> yeah. I will not lie. Everybody who's here um, can see me with these papers because there's lots and lots of terms and everything. <laughs> and I have my little cheat sheets here. But let me just talk to you from the heart. Listen, autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder mm-hmm. that has our children behind in their development stages of their development. It can affect their behavior. But what that typically look typically looks like in most families is they have a three or four year old who cannot speak, who has no verbal language. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they can be nonverbal. Um, and that's the term we use. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of terms, but I'm going to try to break them all down into just what my daily life is. I have a 15 year old daughter who's about to be 16. So I guess I should say 16 now, <laughs> <laughs> but My 16-year-old daughter has issues with processing. She has tangential thinking. So it might mean that she is talking about one thing and then she quickly moves on to something else. She'll say, this is a nice pink shirt. And and before you get finished with the conversation, she'll be asking about what cartoon you like. She'll ask fast. It'll go. So that's another thing. You can just kind of tell something is off. I know. Uh, Right? Some of of us do have tangential thinking. I'm not going to lie. Uh... repetitive behaviors Mm -hmm. my nephew flaps i have also a eight-year-old nephew who is on the spectrum who was non-verbal now he's fully verbal yay yay um and that's my twin sister's son but he flaps he uses his hand in a motion that kind of looks like he's um clapping his fingers together you know without the casting yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like he's clapping his fingers together or he might wave his hands in front of his his face Mm -hmm. that's a repetitive behavior and he does it over and over there could be small children that are playing with it, what we call kind of like inappropriate play, whereas they're playing with the wheels on the, the toy cars instead of the whole car. They're just spinning the wheels. They're getting down to spin the wheels. Mm-hmm. They themselves might spin around uh, in circle, circle, circle without the chair or without a cousin swinging them around. <laughs> they used to have it to me all the time. I'm like, put me down. But no, without that, they like to feel the wind and they like to just spin, spin, spin. Those are some of the things. Um, And then my daughter particularly, she had major tantrums and the major tantrums would look like two hours. So, you know, you have kids have tantrums, right? Right. Two, three, four years old. But 
she would have major tantrums that would come from what we call sensory issues. And that means the lights, how the lights are like high in here. Mm -hmm. She would come in here and, and sometimes she maybe be covering her eyes. My nephew does this too. He covers his eyes. That light is too bright. Or, and then all of a sudden they start to scream, yell, kick, hit, punch. They start to act out. And then that lasts for an hour and two hours until you figure out what their sensory need is. Um, so in some case, lights, sound might be a, an effect. Whereas when she was younger, we had a central air, central heat. And when the right. air used to pop on, it make that loud noise yeah. through the vent, you know, and my daughter used to just go off. So those are some of the things. And if you've noticed, if anyone hears me and they're noticing any of these things that they feel like it's just not that not right. Um, those things could be a developmental disorder. Autism particularly is a spectrum disorder is commonly known as ASD autism spectrum disorders, which meaning, which means it can be different levels of functioning. It can go from very high mm -hmm. functioning. You walk and talk. You don't need a wheelchair. You don't need a, you know, a walker or anything like that. Uh, that would be high functioning. My daughter's very high functioning. Um, to very low functioning. Whereas I have a best friend whose son is 15 and not yet toilet trained. Okay. He's nonverbal, meaning he has no verbal language. He can't say yes, no, maybe any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, he is, so that severe delay, it's a severe delay to where his sound, it sounds a lot like he's flapping and making noises going, uh, uh, ooh, ooh, ee, ee you know, verbalization, but no words. Got it. So that in a nutshell, it's a lot to explain. And there's a lot between, yes. which is called a spectrum. Yes. Got it. It's a spectrum. Disorder. How common is this? And um, what's the earliest age that we can see signs of autism in our kids? This is a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. The earliest sign that you can see autism right now, they're saying is at 18 months and is maybe as young as 12 months because that's when the developmental milestones, uh, milestones start to develop. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we're working on getting doctors and, and, and people to notice that through the Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network, we're working on um, finding a way to make sure that we know what to look for at 12, 18 months. So you can see it as, as young as that. But I will let you know that lots and lots of children are, they are diagnosed later. Got it. My daughter was diagnosed at four, um, which is very late because most of our counterparts um, which I might as well go ahead and bust it open to get into the color issue. Yeah, here. please. Let's do go it. For She's it. a young black female who was verbal. And I was told many things that she just needed a father at home. I'm a single mother. I was a single mother. Her father, uh, her birth father died when she was two months old. And so when I went to go look at the age of two to, to find out what was going on with my daughter after all of those things I just told you, I was told that, you know, you're a baby mama. I was called a drug addict and that they what? wouldn't, you know, go like to the that? courts and tell them that I want to get my child back. I was like, that's fine. Cause she's sitting right here screaming. They, uh, my neighbors mo call the cops like daily, like for my daughter screaming, I would try to calm her down. She would take off all her clothes and everything. And then the cops would come to the door and say, your neighbor said you're beating your daughter. I'm like, if anything, she's beating me. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I never beat her. Like, yeah. but it was, it's, it's a very big, um, racism issue that we've had, you know, about it being a behavioral issue as opposed to a developmental delay. Yes. Um, because 
you know, lots of people in this world just automatically assume that if you're a parent of color, you don't know what you're doing or that, that you're beating your child. Spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Or you're that you're beating your child. And none of that is, is true. Yeah. So we do get a, we have been known people of color to be diagnosed twice as late. Wow. Um, so sure. really my daughter should have been diagnosed. She should have been started to look at, at the 18 month checkup. Right. 12 to 18 months. Right. But because Whereas, of preconceived notions, they're like, oh, no, single mom, of course, she's acting up. Exactly. She just needs a daddy. She needs to stay away from grandma. Take this note to the police and tell them you're not beating her. I mean, I mean, I really did not receive a whole lot of help from wow. two to four. I fought for her diagnosis to finally get her diagnosed at the age of four um, with autism spectrum disorder, wouldn't you know it? And um, so that was 10 years ago and, you know, over 10 years ago. So back in those days, they thought that it was only young white males, Jewish yeah. young white males who really had it. And now we see that families of color all over the world with what we call disparities that have low income, the barriers to services, they can't get to the service. They really are fighting whether to feed that child that day or whether to make it, you know, get a bus pass to go to the hospital. That's you know true. what I mean? So yeah. it's it's just really been an issue to get those kids diagnosed. Um, but the, we're getting so we're gaining ground now. And so our kids are being diagnosed, the kids of color, mm -hmm. but now we have to fight for services and how to get those kids some actual help. Got it. So that's another thing. Like everything else in, that people of color have to go through, you have to <laughs> yeah, add another thing to yeah. it. Well, well I, I have a question. Like, and then what are, you already told us some of the signs, but what is the first steps that we should take as a parent if, if we see some of those signs with our children? Like, what did you do? Honestly, I want to start at the first part. If you feel like there is something wrong with your child and you need to take some steps mm -hmm. or you just feel like something is not right, whether you have a child to uh, compare them to or not. Mm -hmm. I particularly only have one child. And at that time, my family didn't have any other children to compare my daughter to. Right. So you might be a, a single parent. Uh, you might be a, a, you have both parents in the home. It could be a grandma. It could be anybody. You a don't have to be the prime. You have to be the primary caregiver, really. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. so take a look at your child, and then use your gut instinct. Use that that yeah. mama power. Mama yeah. knows. You know best. what I mean. Use that instinct to say something about this child is not right, and uh, take notes. I would say take notes. And most of the time, you know, sometimes we have families who have like these smartphones and take video. Take video, take notes on your phone, notes on a piece of paper and take that to your, your pediatrician, a uh, developmental behavioral pediatrician can help. Uh, but also you can, you know, somebody who came to me with my daughter was actually the school was my daycare person. And although she probably wasn't supposed to do that, she was just like, I, you know, I, I have a concern about your daughter. Your daughter's not. So even those people are, are going to be able to give you resources yeah, right. to yes. what's uh, called a regional center or in other places, this is a state organization that could provide those services preschool. So if you're three and under, and then after three, you can take a look at your school district and they'll also help you. In addition to a professional um, clinician being a doctor, um, uh, a pediatrician, a nurse, um, and even sometimes we do have, well, I just, I'll just leave it at that. Like the professionals in your life that you are already going to go see to get the kids, the checkups, you're going to bring that up to them. Yeah. And I have another question for you. I know this, like many other subjects, you mm -hmm. know, that are uncomfortable in our communities as parents of kids that are non, not affected with this, 
what is the best way to approach a family that has a child on the spectrum? Sometimes I feel like, like I said, as with many other subjects, mental health, you know, all the things, yes. we don't know how to act. We act weird. We act different. <laughs> or we just don't talk about we it because we're ashamed or something. And I feel, and I, and like, I'm sure that a lot of us have friends that have kids yes. on the on the spectrum, and we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. What 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 can we do? How do, how should we approach this? The way you should approach a family who may be on the spectrum, and and you you know don't quite have that understanding, is really it just depends on. First of all, let me say it depends on where you are meeting them at. Because if right. it's a grocery store situation and the kid is just yelling and screaming, you know, not the best time to do anything except be understanding and move <laughs> yeah, away. Right. And also watch the doors and make sure the kid doesn't bolt out into the street. Mm-hmm. You know, Got be it. mindful. Oh, that's such a great tip. Be mm-hmm. mindful of, and this has happened to me so many times where I'll be in a Walmart and my child's just flat out missing. You know what I mean? I turn <gasps> around and she's not in the rack of clothes and, you know, we have to do a code Adam or, or whatever or in a grocery store What's or something a code like Adam? that. Code Adam is actually a, it's literally called a Code Adam. You'll see the Adam, A-D-A-M, it's, the, it's a kid's name, mm-hmm. who I think is back in the day, it was an initiative that started in the 80s that Walmart and other stores have taken on to where if a child is missing, you can report a child is missing to one of the employees and they will actually shut the front doors okay. um, and shut the back Great doors oh. and secure the store so that your child is able to be found before the child runs out right. and is never found again. <laughs> Watch all this, bro, must start screaming, Code Adam! <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Because in the, you know, in the 80s, I want to say in the early 90s, there was uh Yeah, I think that that's the guy from the yes, Most Wanted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. where his son was never found yeah, yeah. again, and the his name was Adam, and so they started that initiative. And yeah. then he, he fought for that. Uh, he now fought I, for I, that. It comes to mind. And that's something that is really... uh a great thing for us as autism parents and parents with kids with disabilities, period. Kids, period. All this period, is just yes. kids, period. Like, I, I'm here about autism, but I'm a mother first and she's 15 first. So I'm dying as it is. Like, yeah. just help me with that. Like, how am I supposed to, how's she supposed to live to 16 right now? So, God, that girl. But anyway, and all the teenager parents are going, mm-hmm, yeah, they're crazy. Uh, but Code Adam was something that we all be, are always mindful of because wandering is a big issue right. in the autism yeah. community. Mm-hmm. So wandering, the kids don't have any concept of time and space and safety. Right. So they tend to walk off. Oh, there's a shiny something outside or they saw something that they wanted to go that attracted them, attracted their attention. Got it. And because of their their disorder, they may just be running out. So uh, th- that was what I was saying about the code, Adam. And uh, that's how. But in the a question, public place. the question was in a public place. If you see a family and you need to, you know, you're trying to understand what's going on with them, how, you know, how to be just a good person. First of all, practice that. Just be a good person. If in you, life, period. In life, period. Just be a good person. <laughs> Everybody's fighting a battle that you have no idea about. Nice. And so that would be the second part of my thing. I would say get to know their 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 struggle. Get to know them or ask yeah. them on and off time when their child is, you know, playing with a device because, you know, they have sensory items. All kids do. We all do now. Our phones are sensory devices. But when their kid is calm, ask them, you know, can you tell me more about this? Can I, you know, can I help you with something? Can you, especially if it's our family members, I, it's a very isolated motherhood. Mm -hmm. 
that I had for a very long time until my nephew was born. My sisters and brothers, so I'm the oldest of six, and I have that twin sister, but then we have four underneath us, and maybe five, six more. My mom just keeps taking in people. It's just, oh, you want to be our kid? Come over to my house. Like, mom. So anyway, but, you know. God large, bless her soul. Oh, my gosh. In large families like that, it's, it's it can be an isolated world. Right. Yeah. So um, my sister and my brothers, they, they really didn't understand what I was going through until we had my nephew. Right. And that led to me having a lot of conversations about, well, this is what my daughter does. And this is what my daughter is, does not like, don't do this. Don't do that. For instance, she had a problem with touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, touching her or her things, it was like, you needed to ask for a hug. Okay. You know what I'm Got saying? It. And she needed to be desensitized to hugging you. So when you pick up little kids and you're hugging them and kissing them and everything, mine would be the one that's wigging out in the corner because you did something that, you know, was not. Right. So um, gathering an understanding. And then I think the third tip that I think as far as people who see uh, families that they might not understand what they're going through is to kind of educate yourself on what autism is, even if you don't do anything, but look at the commercials and say, oh, here's the first signs to act uh, they have those questions, those commercials. I don't know if you've seen them, the autism speaks, um, initiative for early act, mm-hmm. early to act has, um, commercials, but even still with this education that I'm giving you guys and just a tidbit, like, look it up, look up a video, look up something, because let me tell you something, mm-hmm. the prevalence has gone up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, down up. I don't know what the, <laughs> what the right term is, but it used to be one in 68, now it's one in 59 among school children. Oh. Um, and so the likelihood in the next 10 years of you knowing someone on the spectrum or having a family member on the spectrum is super high. So this is not a uh, a disability or disorder that you need to ignore. There's right. going to be more people with autism, not less, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just the way things are turning out right now until we can turn everything around and figure out why it's happening and how to prevent this. That was my question. Like, do we know anything of like, what's I'm sorry. Like- we, we, we know scientifically from the autism uh, treatment network, a couple of things, but that looks like, and I have my own theory. I'll give it to you. But it looks like that the child, the children who are being born are coming up. The mother's uh, uh, was affected by maybe she got like a flu shot or there's definitely vaccine injuries. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's genetics. Um, and then there's different things that are like a combination lock to why these kids are getting autism and they just have the right combination to open up that lock. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, me personally, and from my own experience, I feel as if it was everything that affected me within the first trimester when my child was developing. And, and when, you know, the brain functions and everything were coming in my, I live in, I was in LA, I was in Echo Park, never rich, Never had a whole bunch of Echo Park care back then, not Echo Park right e- now. Echo Park back then, <laughs> not hipster Echo Park. I'm talking like, about you're in not Park. gentrified Echo Park. I'm talking about Mario Echo Park, like when it was really like we didn't have a lot. We lived right not next. gentrified. No, no, you didn't not, have any hipster coffee shops. No, Got we it. didn't have anything like that. Like <laughs> we had a bodega if we were lucky. You know what I mean? So we lived right next to smog traffic because there was no electric cars back then either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm just breathing in all of that. I didn't have any prenatal care. I would go for prenatal care and they told me that that was my own story, that I was not pregnant. They would give me birth control and, and check my blood and everything. And I didn't know I was pregnant for a very, very long time. It was bad wow. prenatal care. Wow. Yeah. You know, I had none. 
Um, and like I said, then on top of everything, then when the child came out, I said, I have a child, I need help. And they're like, ah, you a baby mama, you black, you whoop your child. You know know what I mean? So I wasn't able to get help even when I needed it or whatever. So all of that set me back. And that's what we're dealing with, with families of of color. Even Mm -hmm, now, if they're not taking the initiative to go and say, excuse me, uh, I have a problem. And then somebody will say no, because they're going to tell you no, because they don't know what they're looking for either. This is all new to everyone. And then if you're not that parent that advocates and fights and right. goes back, and I'm not saying everybody's got to be me. Of course, I'm some sort of super mama now. Hey, <laughs> hey, show. Super hey, mama. you see why I did that? But <laughs> at the same time, it's like you need to get help. You deserve that care yeah. mm-hmm. for yourself and your child. Had yeah. I known what I knew back then, I would be like, hey, you know, I really need prenatal care. Don't tell me. I had a doctor tell me, you know, crackheads have babies, honey. You'll be fine. <gasps> I said, well, you know what? I'm not a crack. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a crackhead. Can I get a prenatal vitamin? You know, I I recently, um, I recently gave a talk um, at a mental health convention. I saw that. Yeah. And and somebody, somebody went on stage and they were saying that now we women of color are giving birth into this world of racism and our babies have to be faster. Our babies have to be smarter. Our babies have to be because they're running away. Because they're being born in a place where they want to get rid of them. So our babies are being, have to be born with this new, like, superpowers in order to just survive. And that was so powerful to hear because I never thought about that. I never thought about that before, but that was so right. You know, because they want to get rid of us and we're having babies that are coming into this world and they're being told, we don't want you here. You don't deserve to be here. And it's so sad but it's the reality of what's happening right now. I could not agree more. Not only do they not want our children here, but we have to fight harder as mothers and mm-hmm. as parents to educate our children on what is healthier for them. And so that means a lot of self-care for ourselves. And I know I'm, I'm jumping, you know, all around. Yeah, but no, no. Go. This is something that, you know, it strikes a chord with me because, you know, my daughter is now 16 and she's in residential. And so what that looked like is me not getting care. What does that mean? Residential residential uh, is a non-medical treatment home. That looks a lot like a foster care home that my daughter does not live at home with me. She lives there to receive treatment for her disability and her disorder. And it leaves her in a situation where she's the only person with a parent. The rest of them are wards of the state um, or they have foster parents. And she's the one with the mom and she's the only one with autism right now that I know of. They don't tell me the disabilities, but it's really difficult because she can't get any personalized care for just her disability or her disorder. It's, it's really, it's difficult for her to be in that situation and constantly being told daily. We don't want you, you know, you're not supposed to be Mm -hmm. here. You know, you know, basically they're, teaching them how to get out and go get jobs. Nothing, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not a higher education formulated system. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Where it's like, they're telling my daughter, your vocational track, you won't even get a high school diploma. You need to get out and get a job at Shakey's. You see what I'm saying? Or a local restaurant. You know what I mean? You need to get out and go get a job at, you know, Walmart or whatever else. Cause this is all you can do. This is all we want you to do. And you're going to work fast food for the rest of your life. And it's absolutely not true. Right. You know, so that to me is a situation to where not only do I agree with the fact of that, but as mothers, it's a whole separate education that we have to have for ourselves mm-hmm. to change ourselves. I've become a super mama since I had my daughter. Right. Not not like I can't I can't say like, oh, I was this person, which I was. I had those qualities that were there. But how about you mess with my daughter? 
Mm-hmm. How about I turned into that woman? You right. know what I mean? <laughs> right. How right. about I was like, oh, really? Like, so I went and as my daughter was getting her education, she would go to school. I would go to school. She would learn something. I would learn something. She would go to treatment and and whatever. And I would sit there and while we were in uh, floor time or ABA, I would learn ABA and floor Empower time. yourself. I would empower myself first Mm -hmm. because I am the first defense for my daughter. You know what I mean? And that's almost a mantra of a super mama. You're your child's, your children's first defense. So if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not eating, drinking green drink and drinking water and (laughs) walk in and do whatever your child's not going to do that. Eating kale. Eating kale. You need to eat kale. (laughs) Well, make a good kale. I mean, at least, you know, make it delicious for yourself. But what I'm saying is if you don't do all of that, then your child doesn't do all of that. And then they don't grow. And then they don't have, I feel like it starts with nutrition. So what, 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 what they might not have added to you is they're killing us with the food. Yeah. It's what we're eating. It's the GMOs. Mm hmm. It's the additives. It's the sugar Mm -hmm. that is getting our kids sick. That's, you know, childhood diabetes is prevalent. You know, it's just like going to be right up there with autism. And you're going to notice that more and more that all of these health problems are going hand in hand with, with, you know, the developmental disorders. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there a statistic? Is it, is there more autism in minorities now or is it the same or is it rising more or is it just because it hadn't been diagnosed before and now it is? She got it. She's so smart. Uh, it hadn't been diagnosed it was not diagnosed so the prevalence seems higher in the the communities of color because we got ignored the most and had the most barriers to service meaning we were farther away from hospitals and pediatricians that we could afford that could be you know give us a a diagnosis and then we don't have as many treatments we're unable to pay and really there's been some um, insurance reform where the insurance is, is picking up ABA and stuff like that. But in some communities and some families it's too little too late. Like, whereas my daughter had to go to residential at nine because she never received services until she was eight. Oh, wow. Now, if I've been fighting since she was two, what does that tell you? Uh, that yeah. means change, change, change. And that's what grew me in this system. And the reason why you hear me talk so passionately about getting services for these children, especially children of color. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's not just, you know, the black kids, it's the Brown kids who are, have no English skills. Yes. English is not their first language. Right. Their parents came here as immigrants, you know. And they they're scared to speak up and they just take it as scared is. Scared yeah. of immigration laws, immigration reform. They're scared of what exactly is happening right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Separating them. And from then they children. had their kid going in tangents like they're going to take him away from me. I'm not going to say anything and not yeah. knowing what's happening. Exactly. How, how, um, excessive, excessive, how good is the access for um, low-income families that have kids with um, autism? Like, is it is there something that they should be, you know? Because I feel like sometimes too is they're scared, like, oh my god, how much is this going to be? You know, are there resources that are affordable for communities? Yes, there are resources that are affordable for low-income families now that were, you know, never in place before. Um, meaning the regional center, especially here in California, you want to look for state agencies and regional centers and everything like that. And like I said, keep going until, even if they tell you no the first time, you know, keep Keep going, going keep going. Yeah. You know, because the the slogan that I always like to use, you get what you fight for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, you know, sometimes squeakiest will get the most oil. If people have never known that before, it means you need to ask again. Like if you ask the first time and they tell you, no, you need to ask again, but state agencies like that. 
uh, anything that's preschool initiative, first five LA. Um, they have, um, a whole lot of organizations that can be contacted through this number. And I'll also give you another number. Children's Hospital of Los Angeles is one of the primary tertiary centers that I've worked with for the past 10 years, eight, nine, 10, murky, eight, <laughs> nine, 10 years. And they have a warm line. Okay. And the warm line is 323-361-6102. That warm line has a nurse care manager on the other end that will give you local resources to where you can get this this care. But mm-hmm. um even the insurance uh Medi-Cal has beefed up their care system and they'll have someone that's working with them that you can call directly your insurance. If you're state provided, um, you can call them and say, you know, I have a child that's being diagnosed. So those are two great resources. The it's, it's really tricky. And so that's the reason I can't give you a long laundry list, but here's one primary resources that everybody can use. And it is another mom. Can you believe it? It's another mother. Yeah. If you can't afford care and you're really struggling, ask your kids, ask the other parents at the daycare, ask the other parents at the school and everything, and you'll find everything through them. It's people talking to people because not yeah, only they're true. trying to poison us with the food, yep, right? They're trying to keep us down Apart. and tell our kids that they don't want it and shoot them and kill them and all this other stuff, but they're also trying to keep us from each other. True, true. Right? So we blend and we bond as a community. The parents are power. Yes. Okay, that's what I call it. Parents are power, which is the reason why I focus my attention on the parents. Because if you're not only the first defense for your child, but you're the primary caregiver, other parents are going through exactly what you're going through. And so mentally for you to stay sharp and everything, it not only helps for you to talk to another parent, but that other parent who may be ahead of you or who may be just gone through that very same thing, like myself, will be able to tell you, here's what you do next. Sure. You see what I'm saying? So talk to each other right don't right. be afraid of that because that person yeah build a community and that person knows and understands you best you'd be surprised that you know some of my well my very best friend who's been my best friend all this time with that son i met her through a a, a group a parent group parent support group Oh, well, there are parent support groups. There are parent support groups that you can you go to and uh you just find them, right? Through you, you can find them yeah. in your local community. Um and if there's anything that's a community based organization, you want to take a look at that. I'm 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 trying to think of off the top of my head what parent support groups they, they may have, but you can literally Google some of them in your area. Um, you can also call numbers like two one one and and different information resources. They mm-hmm. will have them on the Autism Speaks line. Um, and those are the two that I really stick closely to because those Amazing. are the two that I help build. <laughs> so those are the ones I know about. If you're wondering why she's like plugging, why I'm plugging it so much. Those are the resources that I like lend to. I'm like, oh, here's one over here. Here's one over there. That's great. But in, in different, uh, East LA has a separate one. They have one in like Whittier. They have a parent support group that might be South Central LA. They yeah. have nonprofits that help the kids with these different things. And the best way to do it, like I said, is to talk to the people in your community um, to be able to find those because they're, I wouldn't know all of them if I tried. No, you recently published a uh, puberty and adolescence resource, resource toolkit. Um, and this guides parents on the subject of puberty for preteens with um, ASD. And we'll link that on the show notes. But can you talk more about how you thought about creating a resource like this? And was there an experience that you went through and you were like, this needs to exist? So, uh, well, first of all, 
Thank you for mentioning that because this, I want to show this. (laughs) If you can see who's on the front. You. you. (laughs) And your daughter? My daughter. My daughter at this time was about, ooh, wee. She was 12, something like that. And the reason why I came up And your hormones are already all over the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> at 12 years old. Ooh, I was like, so this started at night. Me writing the Puberty Adolescence Resource Toolkit started at age nine when I knew that my daughter was going to be pre-puberty. I was then the family. I love uh, how much you empower yourself. That, you need a, you need some snaps for that because <laughs> you have really, like, you. you've really, not, it takes a lot for a, a woman in general to just say like, you know what, I need to just learn this stuff ahead of time to prepare myself for what's coming. And that should be done in life. And you're a great example of that. Thank you so much. But keep going. I I really appreciate you saying that. Also, you know, like just on a very serious note, um, I came from nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm from originally from Ohio. We're all from Dayton, Ohio. Um, And it was not only, so check out this term. It was a food desert. Yeah. We had no fresh food, no fresh vegetables. Even though it was farmland, it was very racist as well. All the white people lived on one side of town. Everybody else lived on the other side. Now, we don't particularly have any other cultures other than black. Now we might have, you know, but they they said all of those kids who weren't, um, who didn't, who spoke Spanish and all these other, you could play in one class and one place and whatever else because we didn't have another demographic. Mm -hmm. But all the white people had stuff and all the black people didn't. And we were crossed over by a bridge. So... Um, I didn't have anything. There was a food desert. We were very poor. And, and so, you know, I was just determined. Obviously, when I had a kid, I thought I was going to be like, ah, my kid's going to have a great life. We're going to have this great first birthday and all this other stuff. So it came from mourning from that. But the other thing is I, I came from the entertainment industry. My sister and I or uh, are recording artists. We still do voiceover stuff. Our oh, day jobs are at yeah. iHeart. Uh, we're a group. We write, we sing, record together as K-Divas. And before... She had her son. It was just me fighting this or whatever. And I was having to leave my life in, in, in entertainment yeah. to really do all of that. And then she had her son. So what made me fight harder was having Two. yet another child in our family. I was like, oh, no, this has got to stop. Like, he's going to get everything my daughter never got. Right. Right. And so then I started finding friends and family and other people that I support now who are on the autism spectrum. And I was just like, what is happening in the world? Like, why are all of y'all special? I call them the special kids. So when I started doing that, I came across the Autism Speaks Autism Treatment Network, and that's through Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. I told you there's a lot of letters. <laughs> the ASATN, and they worked on, you know, science and research, but they have tertiary sites. They have 14 uh, across the United States, and they have some in Canada. And at these hospitals, they would have clinics or clinics that are, you know, aligned with the hospitals. And we all got together and thought about these research issues, like what's going to happen when these kids hit puberty? My mm-hmm. daughter was nine at the time, and I was the chair of the family portion of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we should do something about this. And one of my solutions was to give a deliverable in the form of a toolkit. Right. And the toolkit being, you guys, it's an extended pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. I wrote the thing. I co-wrote it, but you know, it's no shade. It's an extended pamphlet. Um, and <laughs> like, okay. it, it is. It's, that's what a toolkit is. But I decided to mine this thing. Like I met, I gave up 
time. And it, I made it my job to be like, I need to know what to do when my daughter hits puberty because she was already coming up towards the, the punch. And there was no, there was slightly no answers. Like I found a few things that Vanderbilt um, had put out. And then I was like, no, we need to do better than that. And plus everything was all science-based, hospital-based. There was nothing that was from a parent perspective or had a parent's voice in it that parents could really understand. Mm -hmm. I've been doing my best during this whole interview to try to like break down all the big words that I wanted to say. That's why I'm like, uh, oh, like I want to say a huge word that people might not be able to understand. And that pissed me off because I was like, how are the parents going to understand it? They didn't speak English before this. How am I supposed to know what's up? So um, I put together with a, uh, doctors and clinicians um, a toolkit that gave everything. And it really got into my own story about how my daughter was having extreme behaviors, wandering, aggression, elopement is wandering is elopement, aggression and property destruction. And how we have been going to counseling, family counseling, and how I was trying to keep her in my home when there was already subjects of her going to residential, you know, going away, living away from home. And I tried to save it. And I tried to save her many times. And just through that education, I thought, you know, and it, that team helped me to really put together this puberty and adolescence re- resource toolkit. And so this puberty and adolescence resource toolkit is now available on the Autism Speaks website. It's one of the newest uh, toolkits and the only toolkit that was co-authored. They can only see me here. Co-authored <laughs> by a parent. And I have been for many years, the only parent of color on their, you know, as their chair. Wow. I've, I'm the only parent of color they ever had so far <laughs> as their chair, um, which, you know, it was to introduce them to a whole new world. So I just didn't quit with it. And inside um, parents can, there's a lot of information. As you can see. Yeah, we'll link it on the show notes. But I just wanted to get yeah, the story behind for sure. it. Because it's amazing that we just co-wrote that thing. But um, let's take a break now. Sure. And then come back with our Super Roma Pick for Tip for the Week. Hey, Super Romas. Paulina and Brisa here. We just want to remind you to rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, have you seen us rocking our Super Mama swag? Well, we want you to join in. Use promo code SMPODCAST at checkout on supermamas.com slash swag for 15% off your next order. Again, that's code SMPODCAST on supermamas.com slash swag for 15% off. Okay, now back to the show. And we're back. With our super mama pick or tip of the week tip. Super mama pick or tip of the week. Sometimes my DSL kicks in. It's like, <laughs> Kamina, what are you loving right now? Why are you obsessed with? What is your pick of the week? My pick of the week has nothing to do with autism, guys. which is it's fine. Is um, so I wanted to tell you guys about my pick of the week. It is the Disney cruise. Oh my god! <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> well. <laughs> Of course, if it it. is, (laughs) my daughter is obsessed with the Disney cruise and it, you know, I just have one child. It's just me. And it was an amazing experience to go on a Disney cruise last year because it didn't matter. Like, you know, like it didn't matter if it was just us two. It it was people there without their kids. It was amazing. It's everything you believe Disney is on a cruise to Mexico. Uh, It goes to Ensenada and it leaves from the port of San Diego. Um, and so it's, it's labeled Baja. What? And well, they have different places. 
But yes, you get up, get some tacos, come back. Yes, and so I, I really, you're like, what? I really enjoyed the Disney cruise. Like some people are trying to get me to go, and like I'm like, so it could be different times. It could be different, uh, like a week from three days to a week, and you kind of pick the cruise that leaves from San Diego that you want to. So three, five, seven days or whatever. It's really affordable. It's really affordable. And at the time I booked it, they had payment plans. Woo woo. I mean, is it a family of five? Because there's five of us. <laughs> if it's a family of five, what you do is you're they basically paying. You it's basically proper- don't go. No, I don't want to say go, don't go. I don't want to say don't go. I want to say book early, put down a the, the initial payment. And then they, you know, they have a pay plan to where you can actually be able to afford it. And they also have the Disney um, club, travel club that they have. You call up this number. Um, and I think they speak Spanish and English. I think they speak Spanish too. There was a, ch- uh, a guy who booked me who actually had two kids on the spectrum. And I was like, I was like, oh no, I don't know. Should I take my daughter? He was like, everything will be fine. I take my kids all the time. And listen, the kids will never forget. But neither will you. There's fireworks. There's there. We had we went on Pirates of the Caribbean night. It was theme nights where everybody was dressed Ooh. up. You get to decorate your door. They have kid friendly cabins that are really like I nice felt. Like, I'm I know that's why I talk about it. It's really dope. Like it, all of the things are very mindful. So at night, if the kids are overstimulated and they're done with just everything, you know they'll bring you cookies and little ice cream, Mickey ice cream bars, right to your room. It's all included. Um, in the price, all you can eat, everything, everything you eat, drink, um, all the activities are included in the price. The only thing that's not included in the price are, <laughs> of course, but also when you uh, come from, <laughs> she's like, no, they can't include that. What are you talking about? What? But in case you want Sometimes. to turn up, but in case you want to turn up, there are. <laughs> Alcohol, there is alcohol, and they have. There has to be on a, cr- on a Mickey Cruise. There has cruise. to be alcohol. Like a, I mean, like a, like you drop your kids <laughs> you off at turned, the kids club, and you go to the club, and they have a teen lounge, and it stayed open till two a.m. I was like, oh no, that's the club, that's the club. They, you know, so my daughter went to the club, and I let her because I wanted to go. And if you're traveling by yourself, they had like a nice little meetup group for other people who are traveling by themselves. Other parents who are traveling oh, by themselves. My daughter's like, you need to make some friends. You need to go oh. make some friends. Oh, I thought like, oh, I thought like traveling without children, like just as an adult on the cruise on the Disney. They cruise. have that too. Oh, like if you're, tra- they have that too. There's grown adults with no children on these cruises. <laughs> And because they love hey, Disney, man. yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. I yeah, they love Disney. Would go by herself, love the only thing that is an extra cost <laughs> is when you get off for the excursions in Ensenada. Uh, so if you want to get off and you want to go horseback riding, or whatever else, that's a whole separate yeah, thing of the excursion. That's on you. You can stay on the cruise. Oh my gosh, they they have three decks. Like you go like a in Ensenada, and... have some taco, uh, some tostadas de hacha. And... Oh, Go for it, Paulina. <laughs> Go for it. Go. So that's my tip. That's what I really love. I'm really that's an amazing Disney tip. Cruise. Disney Cruise should pay us for that plug. Ah, they should. I'm going to go see if I can. <laughs> my tip has uh, more to do with uh, this. My babies are mosquito magnets. 
Oh, yeah, I need that tip right now. Well, I have two tips for that. Okay, tell me. One of them is for my, my baby. She's she's only 10 months, so it's hard to spray her, you know, with all those uh, repellents. So I got the Baby Gannics insect, insect wipes. And there's oh. some wipes that you get, and then you just rub them on their feet and their arms. And I need it's, that. Easy, it's easy to um, put on the babies, and they're great. I'm going to order that right now. Yeah. Easier than spray? Yeah, like so for a baby because you just baby. Rub them. She's, she's a baby she got it, got it, got and it. And then so she puts it in her mouth. Ah, oh. so, um, I I feel like the wipes are better. I just put it wherever I really need to get in there and, then, <laughs> and put it, and they've helped me a lot because they just get mosquitoes everywhere. And if your baby does get mosquito bites, I would say I use a lavender um, essential oil and put Ooh. it overnight, and then the next day it's so much better and it helps. That and the peppermint helps with the itching. Ooh. So yeah, yeah, the essential oil peppermint for the itching, and then and then a little bit of lavender will help to relieve it. And that's what I've been doing because my poor things are getting destroyed. Oh, you know, this yeah. heat, yeah, it's horrible. That's a good tip. I I I you know get into a lot of natural products now and and yeah. stuff like that that can actually help so that's actually a good tip with the lavender and the peppermint and yeah. just an essential oil so, so yeah you can use it for everything natural, yeah because yeah i don't want to <clears throat> use a lot of like chemicals chemicals yeah. yeah. no like chemicals 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 i'm like no chemicals and so i just try to do everything organic for them so i those baby wipes uh, are really great that's a great tip yeah it is um since you, my husband was something else, then you, you brought up Baja, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of Baja, for those of you who are in the California, Southern California region, number one, my apologies, because we are always talking about this region, move here. Um, if you are a longtime listener, you know how much I love Mexico's wine country, which mm. is, if you live in Los Angeles, it's about a four and a half hour drive. If you live in San Diego, it's a two hour drive. And the food is just above and beyond. Like, I will go to Valle de Guadalupe 10 times before I go back to Napa. Yeah. Granted, I love Napa and I love me like some fancy stuff. And yes, some of the wine in Napa is better. I will have to accept that. But the food in Valle de Guadalupe is just. The wines are- the wines are great. I'm just saying. I mean, but you, some... you just having good wine is not enough. It's got to be good food. Oh no, good but the, wine. the so no. I'm for that. No, the food. You the, know what I mean. F- I'm for and, that. And, uh, and the and the wine is great. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying there are some that are that I'm a little more like. There's no. There's not much like great bubbly down there. Anyway, doesn't but matter. The food is the food. It off. The you gotta, food. No, 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 no. You gotta start no. out with the food. No, no, no. The food in Valle Guadalupe is just beyond and above anything you will get. I'm about that. Anything you will. It's incredible. That would be a great trip for sisters, like a sister yeah. trip. Oh, yeah. So I have three sisters. Oh, my gosh. And my brother just got married. So I have a sister-in-law now. So, I mean, it would be a great time for us to bond. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? How can they get in contact with you? I know you have a blog, right? I do. So I have all of this coming up. And I just want to do a shameless plug. That's not my shameless plug. <laughs> that's my plug yeah, calling. Yeah. No, that's not. Um, I have in a forthcoming book. Uh, and it is called Black and Blue, The Inside Job to Healing and Autism Through Self-Care. Oh, that is going yeah. to be on my healingselfcare.com blog. That's an upcoming blog that I have. Right now, I can be found on Instagram at Kamina Speaks. And that's spelled K as in kitchen, A-M-E-E-N-A. The word speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S. 
um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and just everywhere. You can also email me at communityspeaks at gmail.com. Since I know that somebody might have some yeah. personal questions, yeah. you can always DM me or, or email me anything that you may have. And so I look, I really do look forward to talking to people and I'd be able to help send them to other resources. And Thank you so much for coming, yeah, Camila. Thanks for having me. Hey, sisters. Thank you so much for listening. Hope all of you guys are subscribed to our newsletter. If you're not, make sure you hit that subscribe button on superromas.com. We will be sending out invites to upcoming events, promos, and super cool surprises your way. And of course, you can always keep up with us through the gram at underscore supermamas and on Twitter also at underscore supermamas and in the face at supermamas podcast. Also, stay tuned for next week's episode where I sit down with Bricia to reflect on my first year with Baby Sixta. I share with you some of my ups and downs and how I have managed to power through this first year with three children. Oh, one more thing. We want to hear your Supermama moment of the week to share with all of you sisters. Call into our hotline, 424-329-3707 and leave us a message or simply email us a voice note to hello at supermamas.com. Very soon, we could be featuring you on the show. Please remember to leave your name and Instagram handle for a chance to be featured. Much love and see you next week. Supermamas! Super